0: You're listening to a podcast from Victory Alabang. As we step out in faith to give, God opens our eyes to His faithfulness in our lives. Learn more in this message by Pastor Ed Ray Kanda. At the end of this series, our church members will embrace and do spiritual disciplines as they understand the benefits of training for godly living. So basically, we've been talking about spiritual disciplines the past few weeks as we talk about this series. But before I go on with that, just, uh, just to share a little bit, something about myself. Like kind of a training I had to go through growing up also. Because when I was a kid, I really wanted to sing. So my parents um, hired a vocal coach for like the longest time, years ago. And uh, one of the things that we had to do... Um, because in my head, I thought when I get a vocal coach, I'll be the best singer right after. Like after one session, okay, na panalo na. I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm really gonna be good at the, cra- in the craft. I didn't realize the hard work that comes with it. Every session I had with uh, with our coach, we would have what we call the vocalization. We would vocalize, and it's um, basically we we do several uh, voice exercises. Okay, this is to exercise the throat and stuff like that. Now, if you're not if you're not aware what that looks like, I actually want to call someone to sh- to demonstrate what that looks like. Okay, um, Nathan, can you join me here? As if you haven't been here on stage enough. <laughs> and Kuya uh, Joko, to uh, we just want to demonstrate what it looks like. Okay, I'm not gonna sing. Nathan is. I'm not as good as them. Did an awesome job. Nathan led worship in Ignite 2015 also. So that was, uh, that was an awesome time to see him do that. All right. So usually my coach would say, oh, Edre, start with this. And he'll play some notes. And I'm supposed to follow that. Okay? Like this. la, <laughs> la, 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 la. And then what happens after that, it, it's going to get higher. The pitch is going to get higher. He's going to stretch my voice. And then about 10 minutes into that, we'll change into something else. Like this. <laughs> you know what? I think it's good if we all help out. Can you guys join Nathan? Okay,'re we're gonna we're gonna sing together. We're all gonna vocalize, okay? So just uh, follow his lead. All right, one, two, three, and... la 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 la. la. Last time. <laughs> la, 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 Can you guys give them a hand? Thank you! So what's gonna happen after that? The, my coach would you know, just really put the pitch really high and would teach me several placements the, from, from the diaphragm to the palate to the head tone, whatever. It's all technical. But one thing I realized while doing those things Imagine about 30, 45 minutes of just doing that every session. I realize it's one of the most boring things ever. It just is. Like after a while, after after singing the same note, the same tune, going over and over and over and over, I get tired. I'm like, do we really have to do this? Before we jump into it and, and, and practice a song. It takes a while. I didn't realize the hard work that we have to do just to get Training. The purpose of vocalizing is for the to, to, to stretch the throat muscles and for our ears to f- for our ears to be familiarized with tones, for it to be sharp, to be for it to be pitch perfect. So basically, it's needed, but it's really boring. It's just it's routinary. It's something that I have to do over and over and over again. This is actually what the series is all about. When we talk about cross-training. There are several things that we have to do as disciplines, as Christians, whether it's praying, reading the Word, and what we're going to be talking about today. Now, they're, they're not necessarily for salvation. It doesn't mean that if I read enough Word of God, maybe God will be pleased with me and say, good job. I am happier than you, than your friend, because he reads only one chapter a day. You read 200 chapters a day. It doesn't go like that. It's not a basis of performance, but it's discipline. We need to do it regularly for our Christian living, for our strength. So what we're going to be talking about today, this particular uh, spiritual discipline, as we go and jump into our word, is the more we understand what this particular topic, this particular spiritual discipline, the more it's going to unburden you with so many things in life, it's going to free you from um, a spirit of entitlement, that feeling of, I deserve everything in the world and we don't get what we deserve, things like that, and we get tired of it. We get freedom from things like that. And the more we understand this particular spiritual discipline and the biblical view of it, because this particular spiritual discipline we're going to be talking about, the world can do it without God. But there is such an important mindset that we have to look into as we jump into the Word. Why don't, are you guys ready to uh, read the Word with me? Yes. All right, if you are ready, please, uh, can you guys stand up? Psalm 37, 21 to 26. And it says here, The wicked borrows, but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children why don't we all read the li- this line together? And his children become a blessing. Let's all pray. God, we thank you for your word that God open up our hearts. Thank you, God, for your spirit to come upon us, God. Lord, open up our ears and our eyes, God, to see what it is that you want to tell us. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can now take your seat. Psalm 37 was written by uh, David, King David. This was during, um, some par- uh, during his latter part of his years. This was actually a social commentary. commentary. The whole chapter... Po- was talking about, David was comparing wicked people and righteous people. We're not talking about evil people here. When we talk about wicked people, these are people that have a certain mindset like the world's. So he's comparing people who are in the world, wicked people, he's just using that term, and then righteous people, people who knows God, who have a relationship with God. So he's comparing that he's saying that wicked people does this and righteous people does this. Wicked, wicked people deserves this and righteous people gets this particular reward from God and so on and so forth. Several wicked people this, righteous people that. And in this particular line, David mentioned this particular spiritual discipline. That righteous people have this discipline naturally for them. And that is what we're going to be talking about today. Generosity. Giving. The ability to have to, to, to be able to give or to have a lifestyle of giving. Now, I got to be honest. This is not really one of my favorite topics growing up. I grew up in church. I'm a church kid. My dad's a pastor. He's here actually with my mom. So happy Father's Day, dad. Where are you? Somewhere. There. Hello. Okay. And every time I would hear topics on generosity, this is one of the topics that actually rolls my eyes here we go again, we're going to talk about giving, you're going to make me feel guilty again for not giving enough, so things like that. <clears throat> or I'll hear about, oh, maybe a topic on generosity is just an hour-long exhortation on tithes and offering. Okay, as if I hadn't heard enough, I hear this every week. I grew up in church. This is, I'm, I'm so fed up with, uh, with this particular word, giving, generosity. My problem is I, I actually missed the point. That there is so much to this word there there is so much to this spiritual discipline that i have failed to understand the thing is because i've understood it wrong um we're, that's what actually we're going to be looking at several views or several mindsets rather of what generosity is as i've mentioned the world can be generous without god without ever ever reading the bible There are amazing people out there Not does not have a relationship with God, but they are genuinely generous. I'm not judging and saying, oh, they're like this, they think like this. What we're going to be looking at are certain mindsets that majority of people outside and here may have. And hopefully by uncovering those things, we're able to really understand when we talk about generosity, the biblical kind of generosity, the spiritual discipline that God has called, generosity that it is actually one of the most beautiful thing ever so one of the certain mindset starting with the source of security in the world's mindset our security is our wealth when we talk about wealth being our security this just basically means that when we live our lives trying to acquire and earn thinking that the more I earn the more stable I'll become then this is probably the mindset. The more I have, the more connections I get, the more this and the more that, the more I build up for myself, then the more stable, maybe the more financially independent I will become. And we think security is all about that in this very uncertain world where everything can be lost. Um, my, my, my wife uh, works for this particular company. She was talking to someone and the guy was asking her... What made her decide to get married to me? Well, my wife's here also. Hi, honey. And uh, this guy is earning a lot, like a lot. Lives independently, has his own um, place that he already paid for. And yet he's saying, "Um, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to get married yet because I'm not stable yet. I'm like, they find stable. Define financially stable. You cannot put a definition on it. People have so many definitions on it. So when we say that our securities are wealth, that's going to be hard. And David talked about that, um, 23 to 26. He says here, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young and now I'm old. And if you have your pens with you in your Bible, I want you to underline this this particular phrase. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. The righteous people who are with God left to the dust. Forsaken or, or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Now I'm not saying... Everything's fine and dandy when we, when we have a relationship with God. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be provided for. There will be times our faith will be tested. There will be times that maybe we will beg people for help. But what David is saying here is that a person who has a biblical mindset of his source of security, which is the, our security is the Lord, he is saying that he will never see God fail in that area. Now, that's actually hard for me to, to, to grasp growing up. It's, it's, it's just, I, I cannot place my mind around it. Um, I remember my, my grandparents had this savings of about, not big, but just millions of pesos. That they've been saving up um, all their life. And the purpose of that saving was an inheritance for me and my brother. So they were really saving up, like multi-generational saving up for us. And that was, wow, grandma, thank you for your love. Thank you for this. So um, we thought collectively to invest the money. Lo and behold, about three months after, everything was gone. Like millions of pesos gone. And we started panicking. I started panicking. My mom started panicking. I'm like, what? For me, that, that's my security. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna grow that money, get old, you know, get married, I'm gonna have a business, do this, do that. And my security all of a sudden was gone, and we were panicking. I was telling my dad, Dad, are you kidding me? Is this for real? Are we poor now? And I cannot put it in my head, I cannot imagine myself being this person who had nothing. And in all our panic, I would see my dad, who's here, and he's saying, Stop what you're doing stop it. And he would encourage me and my mom, and he would talk about the faithfulness of God, and I'd be the faithfulness of God. How is God faithful in this? My head would go everywhere, and, but my dad would stand his ground and say, the Lord allowed this. The Lord gives. The Lord take it away. And his security was so strong, and I'd grow up looking back at that story, and I'd see it, and I'm like, how in fact even in our desperate need during that this time he, many years ago I would see my dad helping people the church that he was pastoring people would come up to him and ask for help and he would genuinely help people happy I wanted to grab my dad's collar and just like, what are you doing that's our money of course I didn't do that I love my dad <laughs> but his security was so And that stuck with me growing up. I keep looking back at that that particular time, and I would look at my dad. We, we, We had nothing, and he was the one telling me to stop it. God's faithful. And I started becoming envious of that. I was more envious of that than people who had money. I was more envious of that particular security, knowing that I want that. Because not every time everything will be provided. Not every time I would, we would receive the things that we're praying for. But the peace of God and His security is constant. His joy does not end. Then that's what I want. Why? Because the biblical mindset of security is In our Lord, when we understand that God is the only one unchanging amidst all the crisis of the world, whether finances will go down, whether stocks would go down, whether business would fail, I can actually stand. You can actually stand when you put your hope and your trust in the security that God provides. And that's far better than any source or any security that money may seem to offer or our belongings, our wealth may seem to offer biblical mindset and not only a source of security it's also the, the the mindsets on having a source of provision in the world's mindset my skills provide for me my talents will be the source of my income my intellect my abilities maybe my connections or my friends that's not bad. That's actually good. You know, we're, we're supposed to use the talents and the skills that God has given us. In fact, in the Bible, it says there God has given us the ability to produce wealth. But in the world's mindset, this is just it. You work on it. You earn it. It's yours. The problem with this mindset, though, it, it's not bad. But the problem is when we have this mindset, going back to generosity, the moment we give to someone, it will be, I earn this. And I am giving this to you. It now becomes us. When everything is about us, it's the most tiring thing ever. Seriously. Because when we do that and say, I gave this to you, I provided this for you, the moment that person fails us, how dare you do this to me? I do not deserve this. I do not deserve receiving this from you all of a sudden. We're entitled with something. It's tiring, though. As much as we want to get everything that we think we deserve, we don't get everything that we deserve. That's just the reality. But every time we think that it's our skills, our intellect, our connections, it's our provision. world's mindset. Psalm 37:22 it says, "Therefore those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land." It did not say there, for those intelligent enough shall inherit the land. For those business savvy enough shall inherit the land. For those smart enough shall inherit the land. It did not say there. It just said there, for those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land. In other words, the biblical mindset is the Lord is my provider. The verse I mentioned God has given us the ability to produce wealth. Even that ability that we have is from Him. Now, do we not work hard enough? Do we not be excellent in everything we do? By all means, we have to. It's our worship for God. It's our way of saying, Lord, thank you for the gifts that you have given me. I will do this excellently because I am worshiping you in my work. And by doing worship in our work, then that's when we realize, man, this is the ability that you have given me. But at the end of it, the provision is from the Lord. Whatever we have right now is from the Lord. Because anytime God can take it away, I've seen it happen personally and it was devastating. We put our security and our source of provision from things that can pass away. But when we understand my Lord is my provider, then it becomes way, way better. Not only that, the source of motivation. Why do we give in the first place? As I've mentioned, the world can be generous without God. I've seen a lot of amazing people. Maybe just they don't have a relationship with God, but they are generous and they are helping so many people, and that is great. But there are several motivations why. And I've gathered them in two words. The first one, the world's mindset, is called religion. Now, I'm not talking about like religion meaning Buddhist or Islam or Christian or whatever I'm talking about religiosity in the Bible We're talking about the external work We're talking about what we're doing to get something Or religion, a person can be a Christian and yet religious Meaning, I am doing this to earn this from God I am earning, I am attending all the victory groups all over Alabang Like all the 300 victory groups in Alabang Inatinan have just so I can get closer to God That's religion Those are external works. And for a lot of people, their motivation to give is religion. Now, this this isn't necessarily bad. If a person is saying, I want to give more because I want to become a better citizen, that's actually great. That's a very awesome purpose. But it's still religion. When I'm saying, I want to give so that I will be stretched, I will have a better character, that is great. We would encourage everyone to do that. But it still falls on this category. Or when someone is saying, I will give so that other people will know how generous I am and then flash it to everyone's face, religion. Maybe I will give so that, you know, my parents will be proud of me, religion. It's a world mindset. Not necessarily wrong. But there should be more. I don't think this is enough because the whole world is doing this. Religion. When it becomes a rule, when it becomes an external work, then it's religion. But actually, what I want to spend more time on is a biblical mindset called relationship. What does that mean? Psalm thirty-seven twenty-one. it says here, The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and give. Now, I want to ask, who among you are righteous? Please raise up your hand. Righteous. Thank you. I understand if we're having a hard time. Righteous? Just earlier, I had an argument with my wife, with my husband. Mm, Maybe not today. (laughs) Oh, just yesterday, I was angry with someone. Um, righteous, not so sure. Maybe maybe next week I'll be righteous. Yes. <laughs> righteous, um, if you only know what the things I have done, uh, I don't think you'll call me righteous. I understand. As I've said, I grew up in church. But this word took a lot of understanding, a lot of years with Me hearing the gospel in order for me to really understand what righteous means. To be righteous means to be right in front of God. And that is hard. Because being righteous is not based on things that we can do. Because the problem is, as much as we can do so many things, we are never righteous by by just that. Growing up in church, I've been part of the music team. I've been part of kids' church. I've been part of the ushering team. I've done all, but I didn't realize I'm still having a hard time grasping the word righteous because apparently not even that can consider me righteous. I can be leading so many victory groups, but not even that can make me be considered as righteous. So it was hard for me. And even looking at my life, the things that I've done in school, the things that I've you know, compromised, man, how can I be righteous? Because I'm looking at righteousness the wrong way because that is, yes, that is righteousness, yes. But the righteousness that I'm talking about, the righteousness that we can have, it's not a righteousness based on work, but a righteousness based on position. What does that mean? Um, One of my biggest uh, struggle growing up as a church kid was to see all of my classmates do whatever they want, anytime they want, with no parents telling them to stop. And I want to become like them. And I go home and I have my parents say, don't do that. And it was hard for me to, to look at the world and say, why are they having fun? I don't get to do this. Compromise after compromise after compromise. And that started a mindset in me where I don't want to become this church kid. But then, I'll still do the routines. I'll still go to church. I'll attend church. I'll probably escape the service. I'll go to kids' church and pretend I'm teaching there, but even though I'm not, just so I don't get, I don't get to hear the preaching. And then my mom would look for me, and I'll be there hiding. Oh, I'm doing something. I didn't understand. I completely did not understand what this is all about, what Christianity, what Christianity is all about. And as I grew up, there was a verse in the Bible and this blew my mind when I was hearing a preaching on this. That apparently, our hearts are hostile towards God. There's hostility in our hearts towards God. What do you mean? I'm attending church, I'm doing this. Yes, it doesn't matter. Our hearts are made to hate God because of our sinful nature. And that blew my mind in a way where, wait, you're saying everything that I've done so far does not matter? Nope. Because at the bottom, your heart hates God because I'm a sinner. In fact, I can lay down on my bed for a year, not thinking of anything, not doing anything, and I'd be sinning. I'd be a sinner. By not doing anything. It's just the condition of my heart. I am a sinner. I am this. And I am an enemy of God. And I hate God. And to for me to hear that after everything that I did, wait, I want to follow this word called righteous. I've been hearing this word called righteous. I'm having a hard time with the things that I'm seeing in school. And now you're saying as much as I have been trying to be, there's nothing, there is no way my heart still hates God in front of God. I'm his enemy and that was hard to accept that was hard to take God, there is nothing I can do and yet because of the love of Jesus Christ and God looked at us and say I love my children but they don't but they don't love me But I want them to love me, and I cannot control their feelings. So I I will not control their feelings. I have given them free will. And even though in their sin, they cannot escape from their sin, they cannot escape from their death, they cannot escape from their hatred and hostility towards me, then I would choose to come down here on earth, live his life, live our lives for us, and then dying for the consequences and the penalty of our sin by dying on the cross. And by dying on the cross, he took in... All of our sin, in the Bible it says that He became sin itself, that everything that we did, He took it upon Himself. He died on the cross for that. And by dying on the cross for that, by taking our, our sins, He placed righteousness over us. So what... This is saying to be righteous is to be someone who has this personal relationship with Jesus Christ. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ is someone who understands that I am a sinner, but because of what Christ did on the cross, then I am righteous. So let me ask this again. Who among you are righteous? Please raise up your hand. And it says there, but the righteous is generous and he gives. What does that mean? I am righteous because of Jesus Christ, not by works that I did. And it says there, righteousness pushes people, compels people to be generous. This is far beyond tithes and offering. As much as that is great, that's part of it, we're we're supporting the church. That is so far beyond that. The righteous, how good it is. To be called righteous in Jesus Christ. I was talking to one of our student leaders and he told me, Pastor Andre, I don't want to give tithes. I asked him, Why? I'm not angry, I'm just angry. I just want to ask. Tithes? that's the law. Jesus Christ died, he fulfilled the law, so that law has been fulfilled. I don't want to give tithes an offering because that's the law. Okay? Makes sense. What's kind of hard to argue? (laughs) And then he says here, because I don't live in the law anymore. I live by grace. So that means I can give more than the tithes. Because if I think, oh, I have to give my tithes, I have to do this, I have to take 10%, okay, put it in, okay, how much? That's the law. It's religion. But if my heart compels me, I can give more. Because I live in grace. Because I am righteous by Jesus Christ. What does that mean? What did he understand that I, most people do not? If Jesus would choose to die, and give all of him, even his righteousness to his enemy to a person who is hostile towards Him, to a person who hates Him, to a person who would choose to remain in sin, if God would choose to give up His everything for the likes of me, if God would choose to give up His everything for, for someone who is deep in their sin and is hating on God every single day, if God chose to give up everything so that I will have everything, so He chose to have nothing, so that I will live in everything in Jesus Christ, then how can I say, this is all mine? Whatever I have, whatever I earn, this is all mine. If I'm able, if you're able, if you're able to understand the love and the grace of Jesus Christ through the cross, then generosity so easy. It's as if it's nothing. You know why? Because if Jesus Christ gave us everything and then we have everything already, meaning whatever we have means nothing apart from Jesus Christ. We may have the latest car. We may have a 30-bedroom house. We may have a whole nation at our foot. But apart from Jesus Christ, they all mean nothing. And I have everything. Then all of this is easy. I'm not saying we're not supposed to enjoy what God has allowed us to have. By all means, please do. But when God calls us, be generous. Final story before I end. Um, during Ignite, the Ignite conference, one of our student leaders um, was having a conf- conflicted thought. On the final day of Ignite, of the conference, it was his dad's birthday. And he was not sure, do I go to the conference because i I want to hear from God, I want to know what God has planned for me in my campus, I want to be used by God, I want to encounter him, but it's my dad's birthday now, if had he told me about it, I would have suggested you stay home, celebrate your dad's birthday because that's important. We'll have other conferences, but because he was he was really feeling that he's going to hear from God, he just chose to go to the conference, and while he was in the conference he was kind of feeling guilty. like, Lord, I want to hear from you. And he he felt like he wasn't hearing from God. And he felt like he abandoned his dad on his birthday. So he wanted to, you know what? I want to buy my dad a gift the moment I get home just so that I can tell him I was thinking of you the whole time. Lo and behold, he took out his wallet and he only got 20 pesos. It was, (laughs) I haven't heard from God. I left my dad I want to give my dad a gift. I only have 20 pesos. He hadn't had a God encounter yet. Ten minutes after, someone approached him. In the conference, someone who did not introduce her name from a different Victory Church gave him an envelope and inside there was a note and a 1,000 peso bill. In the note, it says there, God showed me your heart. He heard you started crying. Now my focus is not on this guy who attends our church. I want to look at this girl who chose to hear from God and say, Lord, since I have everything in you, what's 1,000 pesos, God? She did that. She had no idea what this person was going through. She had no idea what, what, what was happening to this other guy, but he, she, she chose to Lord, you told me to give that told me she had no idea the impact that she did that because of that generosity another person encountered god another person had a vision from god another person had a vision for his campus another person was so excited to come back here and testify the greatness of god just because one person who was secure in the lord who knew that the provision can only come from god who knew that her motivation was a relationship would choose to say, Lord, this is nothing. I'm going to give this. Imagine what our generosity will do when we choose to do it a biblical way of saying, Lord, I am your son, I am your daughter. Before we were slaves, but because of your cross, we were now made sons and your daughters. And what is this, God? You have given this to me. I am, Lord, this is easy to give away. This is easy to bless people, God. Because first and foremost, I have you as my everything, and that is enough. Why don't we all bow down our heads? Lord Jesus, we submit ourselves to you. Lord, look into our hearts, God. Lord, remind us of who we are, that we are righteous, that we are your sons and we are your daughters, God. And in you, we have everything already. Thank you, God, for reminding us that our security, God, is in you. That our provision is in you. That we may, not, we may be going through several situations right now, God, or that not a lot of people know, God. But Lord, thank you that you know our situation. And you're saying, God, that I am secure in you. That I am provided in you. Because I have a relationship with you, Lord Jesus. And because we have everything, God. Lord, it's easy, God, to move in a heart of generosity. God, Lord, minister to us right now. Lord, speak to us, God. If there are people that you want us to bless, God, Lord, tell us right now. Lord, God, speak in us, God. Lord, let us encounter you. Lord, if there are people, God, Lord, that, we wanna, that you want to bless through us, God, then, Lord, use us. We may not have the capacity right now, God, but thank you that you are going to give us the ability, God, Lord, to bless the people that you want to bless through us. And because of that, God, by refreshing others, you, we are also refreshed, God. Lord, we open up our hearts. Lord, we submit ourselves to you. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We hope you were inspired by that message. Listen to more podcasts from our website at www.victorialabang.org and in Victory Alabang app. Thank you and stay connected.